Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Blog Talk Radio. everything you want it to be? Are you living a fulfilled, passionate life empowered with choices that ignite you to the next level? Good love makes your whole life better. So join America's good love doctor, Dr. Brenda Wade, on a journey to your healthiest life yet. A regular on Dr. Oz and Dr. Drew, she's appeared on Oprah, Good Morning America, and is featured in countless publications from USA Today to Essence Magazine. The creator of life-changing Get Unstuck Now, Love, Money, and Save a Seminars, she's counseled millions, but today she's here just for you with the hottest topics, guests, and trends. This is Good Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. Hi there, everyone, and welcome, welcome to Good Love Radio, where we are all about you learning how, developing the tools mastering everything that's necessary to create good love in your lives. And I was talking earlier today to someone who is getting married on Saturday. And I said to the groom-to-be, are you feeling prepared? Now, I already knew the answer because he hadn't done any premarital coaching. He said, well, we love each other. And we really, really have talked a lot about what we want. And I said, and did you take any classes or do any premarital coaching? He said, no. I said, well, let me throw one stat at you. Those who do premarital coaching have 50% fewer divorces. He said, where do I sign up? Maybe we can get it in before Saturday. <laughs> so I want you to take that to heart because we are all about that education right here. And today our topic is one of my favorites, and it has everything to do with love and that is abundance specifically abundance as it shows up in your love relationships our guest tonight is dr leslie beth wish everybody knows her as dr lb i can't wait to hear more from dr lb she's the author of smart relationships and the founder of lovevictory.com And today, as always on Good Love Radio, we are focusing on why good love is essential to your greatness. Think about that for a minute. Essential to your greatness. What does love teach us that nothing else can teach us? It makes us great people. And how to identify the negative love patterns 
that are blocking you from true intimacy and good love. And of course, how can you break those old chains of what happened back then so you're free to experience what is happening right now? Now that's why we created the Love Money and Say the Seminars so that this area where we are all so underprepared, we actually have seminars that we can take. We can take premarital coaching seminars. We can learn all about how to get from a breakdown to a breakthrough. And on and on, if you're interested, I am, for the first time tonight on Good Love, going to offer you a complimentary 60-minute seminar. And you can sign up for that at love at docwade.com. Love at docwade.com or go to our website, drbrendawade.com, and you will find info there on getting your gift seminar. Now let me tell you more about Dr. LB. She's a nationally recognized psychologist and licensed clinical social worker. She's been honored for her pioneering work with women's issues in love. Hello. Love, life, work, and family from a feminine perspective. The National Association of Social Workers named her as one of the top 50 who's contributed to the field. And her latest self-help research-based books are Smart Relationships and The Love Adventures of Almost Smart Cookie, the cartoon companion book where you can follow a year of Cookie's love missteps and learn about yours. So welcome back to Good Love, Dr. LB. This is such a great surprise to be invited back again, so I I feel honored. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's an honor to have you. Now, it's so important for all of us to learn more about you and how you came to be a love expert, because I find that that is so often the beginning of how we all connect with the fact that we can learn about love. Well, I was very lucky. I, I truly feel lucky. I got very good genes, um, the G-E-N-E-S kind. I got good genes for intelligence, for emotional control, so that I didn't get um, have my um, emotions hijacked the way that um, the famous author Daniel Goleman talks about in his book on emotional intelligence, you know, when you can't control your feelings and they hijack your thinking. So I don't have any of those characteristics, and that is just God-given. And the second wonderful gift I had, um, a lot of listeners have heard me talk about this before, I was raised by a woman named Daisy who lived in the house and literally raised me, and she made me feel special and loved, and she taught me wonderful things. And I'll just give one tip to your listeners. She taught me that when girls are born, God only gives them so many kisses, and you have to be careful that you don't give them to the wrong boy because when the (laughs) right ones come along, you're not going to be able to pucker up. So those are the kinds of life lessons I got. Oh, my God, that's a good one. So you you can't pucker up if you've been kissing the frogs too often. That's right. That's hilarious. So <laughs> she taught me so many things, and she always taught me act with beauty. Always act in a way that makes others feel beautiful and the way that you respect yourself. And that concept of respecting yourself in a relationship is one of the keys to knowing, is this relationship I'm in good for me? 
because so many women come to see me. Am I with the right guy? And their eyes are on the guy instead of on them. And the first one of the first questions I ask them is, do you like you who is in this relationship? Ah, like the you that you are with this person. Is that what you mean? Yes. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point because so many of us in relationship, you know, either the relationship brings out the part of you that can evolve and grow or the part of you that feels like you have to fight for your life because that other person is throwing, well, dare we say, grenades at you. Yes, Emotional right. grenades. Okay, so when what if somebody says, okay, I'm in this relationship, and I don't know if this is the right one, but I do like myself in the relationship, what would you say? I would say that's a good start. And I would say let's not focus on is this love, is it not love, you know, what's love. I mean, do you know that question really can't be answered? There are millions of poems about it, novels, movies. So let's think about do you like who you are? Do you respect how you act in this relationship? Do you respect your partner? Because you can act very self-respectful in a relationship but not have those feelings towards your partner. Hmm. All right, so you say that if somebody is having trouble in a relationship, you've actually done research on people who sabotage their own relationships and say they should be taking time off from dating. Talk to us about that. And by the way, if you have a question for Dr. LB, you can call us at 347-989-0776. That's 347-989-0776. Or hit us back on Facebook, Dr. Brenda Wade, or tweet us, Dr. Brenda Wade. Cliff, our associate producer, is standing by to take your questions, and we would love to hear from you. Go ahead, Dr. LB. I would love to hear from your listeners. I love taking questions, so don't hesitate. Don't think you're interrupting the flow. It makes it richer because your questions are probably the ones that other people have in their heart. Exactly right. So, LB, I want to know, what is this about taking time off from dating? Why do you recommend that for people who might be sabotaging? And maybe you should explain what sabotaging a relationship looks like. Hello? Uh-oh. LB, are you there? Oh, dear. Cliff, we may have lost her. And when she dials back in, just put her right through. I'm going to keep it moving and until we get Dr. LB back, I want to talk a little bit about relationship sabotage from my point of view because there are three things that I have learned about why we sabotage relationships. Number one, we have trauma patterns, many of us, that say it's not safe for me to get close to someone else the last time. I was close and dependent on someone. They abandoned me, abused me, hurt me, put me down, whatever it was that happened when we were little, and we find ways to push people away. 
The second pattern that I've observed in my years of working with couples is sometimes one or the other person has done something that makes the partner mistrust them. And the minute mistrust enters the relationship, that same, uh uh-oh, I have to push away to protect myself pattern comes in. And the final thing I've observed, and many, many times, and it seems counterintuitive, is that if a person has low self-esteem, I don't really feel I deserve love. I don't really feel I am lovable. I don't really feel I am attractive or I am sexy. Therefore, how could somebody else possibly love me or find me sexy or attractive if I don't? I was communicating today with someone that I met actually on a national television show, and this person wrote me today with the comment that she feels sexier and more alive than ever. But her body hasn't changed any. What's changed is her attitude. So that's my input about self-sabotage, and I'm going to touch base and see if Dr. LB is back with us. Do we have you back, LB? Hello, hello. Okay, Cliff, can you hear me? Talk to me. Yeah, we're trying to contact the doctor. and um, Okay, well, I'm going to keep it moving until you tell me she's back because God knows I have plenty to talk about here when it comes to self-sabotage. I've seen every version of it, but I want you to think about something, everybody. I want you to ask yourself, Every one of us has a way that we run from love or we don't feel safe in love or we don't feel worthy of love or we somehow feel too vulnerable in love. I'm going to ask you to do a little bit of work. Take just 10 seconds and ask yourself, how do I sabotage love in my life? I push love away. How do I possibly avoid love or destroy love? In one of the classes that I teach, we go through all the love patterns. Love destroyer, avoider, freezer, and doormat. Which one are you? Which one are you? Those are all ways to sabotage love. So it's very important that we enter the relationship that we're in or would like to be in with the idea It's really up to me to examine how I'm showing up in the relationship. What am I bringing to the party? Now, I I know that Dr. Elpie has done quite a bit of research in this area, and when we get her back, we're going to talk to her about why most people take too long a break after a bad relationship because they're so afraid of making another mistake. And I'm going to just say right now, and this is something I've taken a lot of heat for saying, taking a break from relationship can be a good thing. Hi, I'm here. Hi, Dr. LB, so glad to have you I don't know what happened. Divine intervention, I don't really know what happened. Okay, well, it gave me a minute to talk about Self-sabotage from my perspective and the three reasons I've noticed that people sabotage relationships through not feeling worthy, 
which means, gee, I don't feel good about me. Why would you feel good about me? The fear of being hurt, because most people have trauma of some kind in their background. And, of course, my personal favorite, which is I just can't stand feeling that vulnerable when somebody gets close to me if they've hurt me or betrayed my trust. So now tell me from your perspective and your research, why do people sabotage relationships and why do you recommend taking time off from dating? Did we get very far at all? Because I, I don't want to repeat again, but you No, you we didn't me. get far at all. Oh, good. Okay, so I'll, I'll, I have no idea what happened, but we'll just pick up. I'm, I know yeah, your listeners roll. are dedicated. Okay, yeah. so one of the things you need to do after a breakup is ask yourself, why did I choose a person and fall head over heels at this time in my life? What was going on? In my life, that's what I want you to ask yourself. Were you going through an illness, someone in your family ill? Were you experiencing a downsize at your job? Were you getting older and feeling your biological clock ticking or just feeling that you want to have a relationship now and you don't want to go into old age all by yourself? What's going on? Because when you fall in love, there is an aspect of timing. So take a look and take about an 18-month snapshot of your life. Run sort of an 18-month movie. What's been going on? Have I been having financial troubles? What sparked me to reach out? The other thing you want to ask yourself is, why did I get into this kind of relationship pattern? And usually what happens, there are two things to think about. One is, did I feel a sense of closeness with this person? Did I feel suffocation with this person? Did I feel comfortable? Or did I feel that we had a push-me-pull-you distance going on? So you're looking at that continuum of closeness and apartness, which all relationships have to navigate. Then I want you to look at who's running the show here. Who's got too much control? Who's given up too much control? Use that configuration to help you analyze your relationships because what happens is if you get into a relationship where you're too far at those extremes, people tend to overcorrect the mistake and just kind of flip the relationship and get stuck in the other side. So you're saying in the same relationship, if there's an extreme pattern, Partners can flip the relationship over, or is that what you do in the next relationship? In the next relationship. In the next relationship. Correct. And then you go back and forth and back and forth between guys who are too passive, guys who are too controlling. And and it's really hard. And guys do the same things. Guys tend um, to date in their minds, what they call women who they can save and rescue. And then when that gets to be too costly or the emotional ups and downs are just too crazy for them, they say to themselves, I I don't want this nightmare anymore. I can't take this roller coaster. Get me someone who's really calm. And so they tend to overcorrect and get someone who's kind of cooler, who then they end up chasing. So take a look at your past. Yes, or, you know, with the case, I'm thinking of one young man I worked with recently. His, his mother was very aggressive, very controlling, and he would say, my mother is a biatch. He literally would say that. And he was with a woman that he thought was so passive that she barely, as he put it, had a heartbeat. 
He said, she's so sweet, but she barely has a heartbeat. But I don't want to be with somebody who's a biatch. And he didn't see there was any choice, that there's any middle ground. So that's what you mean by the the flip cycle. That's right, and overcorrecting. So it's more important when you are in a relationship not to focus on the type, you know, there's types of, there are books on, you know, the guy who's a, a, a wolf and a mouse and a rat. You know, don't take your eyes off you and don't take yeah, I your eyes off your relationship. <laughs> right. The wolf, I mean, take, the mouse, and the rat. That's right. Keep your eyes on your patterns. Very important because that will give you more information than keeping your eyes on what's my partner like. Mm. All right. So we're going to look at our own patterns and I love what you said about timing. Boy, I was digging into that one. Now I know why I chose my last husband. Hmm, very bad timing. Okay, so moving on, what should we be doing with that break from dating that you talked about? How is that beneficial and valuable? Well, you know, I'm sorry, it's an old expression. You better know yourself. You better know who you are and who you ain't. And take a look at answering those questions. What kind of pattern did I get in? Did I overcorrect? What are my needs? What am I walking around with that my parents taught me that I don't want to keep in me? Because what happens with love, we're all emotional time travelers. The past always affects the present and the future. So what are you bringing with you? What's in your family backpack? And what I ask my clients to do is make a list of all the messages that your parents said to you or showed you, you know, like you're talking about the example of the man who with a, a really, you know, not so nice mother. So write down everything on a list that was about your family, the lessons you learned, how you were treated, things they said to you, and then make a second list about your deepest fears and your negative self-views and see if those two columns match. Because what I want you to do is take an imaginative scissors and I want you to cut some of those connections. And on that scissors are the words, these things that my parents taught me and said to me and these things on my negative self-view list tell me more about how my parents felt about themselves than me. Oh, that is so crucial because, of course, most of us, take on the idea that whatever our parents did that hurt us was our fault. And not only that, absolutely true, but they end up being things that we sort of absorb to be true about us. And I've seen that so many times. So think about what are those messages. Make a list of all those things, and there's no right or wrong about it. And make a little check mark next to the ones that you struggle with. For example, um, one of the messages that my family did was they shared, think about this, what brought your parents together? What values and worldviews did they share? So in my family, both my parents had strong needs for safety. They were risk-adverse. They hunkered down. And what tends to happen in families is you either absorb that feeling that life is scary and you get risk-adverse, or you overcorrect and take too many chances, or you find a, 
your own script, your own middle ground. And in my family, I said, boy, I I don't want to live like a scaredy cat. I'm not going to do that. And I did that early in my life because I saw that. But not everybody is that fortunate. And that's, that's really what motivated me. You asked me at the beginning of the show, tell me a little bit about why I do this work. Because I, I think that a lot of people may not have had the luck I have. And so I want to pass it on. So take a look at what messages you want to keep and which ones you really want to believe. Mm. Now here's the key, though. For those people who don't recognize that the way they feel about themselves actually came from that little child brain prior to the age of eight absorbing and yes. recording everything that was happening, what's one way we can identify what we took on as a childhood belief? Well, I'm a, a big fan of therapy, but if you don't want to go into therapy, then there are endless number of self-help books. You go into a bookstore, or if you just go on Amazon and put you know, psychological self-help, you could read till the cow jumps over the moon, right? I mean, there's yes, so and many. I'd like to recommend a couple. I mentioned them at the top of the show today, and they were written by you, Dr. LB, The Love Adventures of Almost Smart Cookie and Smart Relationships. And The Love Adventures is the companion book to Smart Relationships, so I can't recommend that enough. And, of course, there are so many resources, but the bottom line is I can't strongly enough endorse what you said. We all have the ability to grow and change, and that's one of the the mysteries that I think you're helping us to cut through, which is that relationships aren't a mystery at all. There's a reason we choose what we choose and all the rest of it. Well, there's always some mystery. You know, all you have to do is go to your local mall and sit down and just look at couples. And you'll see all kinds of combinations of, of body weight, height, um, attractiveness, race, um, their, what kind of clothes they wear. I mean, there are all kinds of things that can't totally be explained. And I think one of the ways that you fall in love is embracing that that wild card, that sense that not everything can be explained away. But if you're not going to be brave enough emotionally to read some self-help books and get therapy, then you're not going to get brave enough to love and be loved. Oh, so if you're not brave enough to work on you and face yourself, you are not brave enough to be loved Whoa. Take that in, everybody. We have our first question, Dr. LB. Oh, good. Wow, that's a great place to pause for the question. It says, I was in an intense relationship for over two years. This came in via Facebook, and it came from Tony, who is in SJ, I guess that's San Jose. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tony says, how long should I wait to start a new relationship? Well, Tony, you didn't tell us how long since you got out of the relationship. So I'm just going to assume that's recent, Dr. LB. You know, that's a really good question. People have asked me, um, is it too soon? The factor isn't just time. It's what you've done with that time. Because you could wait six months or a year or two years and go, I'm ready for love. But if you haven't done your bravery work, then you're not ready. And you need to answer those questions. What have I learned? 
am I going to overcorrect? Who am I? What are my values? What what have I needed? What have I learned from my family I need? And needs are neutral. If you need someone to be a partner who takes the lead because you have problems with decision-making, that's not good or bad. That's just who you are and what you need. And learn to accept that. Those are the kinds of things to do. I would say there's no rule, but you know, give yourself at least a few months, at least. And But on the other side, there were women in my um, research who had not had a date and didn't seek a date for 14 years. Wow. Now, that is certainly too long. And then there are people who jump from, as they say, the frying pan into the fire. And not all of those go belly up. So, again, it's that wild card in life. But in general, you're always in a better situation if you listen to some of these guidelines. Do your homework. Get ready. Know who you are. And give it a few months. Hmm. So giving it a few months and working on what you call the bravery work. Yes. So you're brave enough to face yourself. Get that down, everybody. You might want to write that down. I need to do some bravery work and face myself. Because if you don't do that between relationships, pretty much the research says you're going to repeat the same pattern or, as Dr. Elby said, flip to the other side of the pattern. So Dr. LB, we have Tony now who is doing bravery work and okay. getting ready for a relationship. Because I know, Tony, you're going to take that advice. What's the next step for Tony? Well, the next step is not to date. I, I don't like dates. I like undates. You know, oh. dates... Dates are anxiety-provoking. Is this person going to like me? Am I, do, I, do I have any you know, ink on my face or lipstick on my teeth? Or, or did I you know, get the crust out of my eyes? I mean, you're just thinking about all kinds of things. And, oh, my God, my fingernails aren't right. And, I mean, anxiety, it's terrible because what's at stake is... Hello? Are you there, Dr. Tony? No, excuse me, Dr. LB, are you there? Okay, Cliff, we may have another little break in the sound. Uh, you work on getting Dr. LB back because I can't wait to hear more about an undate. Everybody, thank you for your patience as we get her back and move forward. And if you have a question, be sure to send it in to Facebook, Dr. Brenda Wade, or tweet us, Dr. Brenda Wade, or call us at 347 989 0776. We would love to hear from you. Okay, I'm going to keep it rolling because this is a topic we can talk about all night, literally all night, because every one of us has a love story. And based on what Dr. LB has said so far, what is your love pattern? What is your love pattern? And you can get a good look at what that pattern is all about if you look at what she said about what brought your parents together. Now, that is something I've never heard anybody talk about before. What brought your parents together? What were they attempting to heal or change or correct for? So do some bravery work, everybody. You can listen to this podcast again, download it again, and do some bravery work. 
One of the other things that I think is so important is beware the flipping. I call it the pendulum effect where you do a 180 swing from number one all the way out, 180 the other direction. And you know that old saying, 180 degrees from sick is sick. Yes, absolutely. Can you hear me now? <laughs> I've got you, Dr. LB. Good. Glad to have you back. I don't know oh, why I... this is happening. I'm on a dedicated broadband line, so there, mm. who knows? <laughs> so I'm It's okay. Keep me. rolling. How far so we're going to undate. How do we undate? Well, you hang out. I want you to hang out with his friends, her friends. Make your dates resemble real life. Very important. Go out for breakfast, lunch, go run some errands, go to a, a public event where you wander around because what you want to look for is, is there some kind of elasticity? Can you wander and look at this hat at this booth? Can he wander around and look at the belts over here? Do you have to cling to each other? Do you, does he wander off too much and then doesn't come back to you? Does either of you run like a, a critical commentary, like, oh, this is a terrible home show. This isn't any good. I don't like this. And you're ready to go. So these are the kinds of things you're looking for. These are everyday activities. Learn about each other. And don't spend so much time doing um, romantic things and things that aren't part of an everyday life. Now, why do you recommend that? That's very interesting. Most because most people it keeps your think anxiety it's be hearts and flowers. Right. It keeps your anxiety down. It makes think about this. You don't spend your life, your happiness life in a in a in coupledom doing romantic things and taking helicopter rides and and whisking away to here and there. I mean, no, your your life is spent in in third gear, not fifth gear. So, why not start keeping the anxiety down, get to know someone, see how they fit into your life. The other thing you want to do is ask smart questions. Two important questions are... All right, everybody, hold on, Dr. Elby. Okay. Get out your pen and paper or your smartphone and take these down. I am. What are the two smart questions? Okay. I mean, there's lots of smart questions, but start with these two. Say to the person... I want you to show me, run the movie of a typical week in your life so that I know what I'm stepping into. And don't make it nice looking. Don't tell me that the house looks perfect or that you don't open up a box of cookies and eat them. I mean, I want to know the truth because I'm going to know it anyway. So show <laughs> me, I mean, really, you know, or if you're a messy person or a neat freak, run the movie of what it would be like in a typical week. Do you do you go to the gym? Do you come home and open a can of beans and eat them without heating them? Do you, you know, what do you do? Tell me. Do you take off your clothes and get into your jammies? You know, do you watch uh, reruns of your favorite show? Run the movie of your life so I can see what it's like. Oh, now that's a question that might be very threatening for a lot of people. Well, if you if it's threatening, then, then you don't belong looking for love because love, looking for love is scary. You can get hurt. You can get rejected. And we'll talk about how to um, get over that and how to handle that. The next thing you want to ask is, what have you learned about yourself and what you need from your previous relationships? Great question. That's one of my favorites. What have you learned? 
I don't want to hear sob stories and this person was bad. What have you learned about what you need and who you are? <laughs> That's a really good one. One of my faves that I think I'm going to piggyback with you on is if I had your former partner here, what would they tell me was their biggest challenge with you? Absolutely. And, and I've been amazed how honest people are. Yes. yes. I had somebody and tell me, oh, she'd say I was a rageaholic. Well, that was good enough for me to get up and walk out. Very, those, that would be the next tier of questions. If your ex-partners were here, what would they say they liked about you and what got in the way in your relationship? All those things are good to ask. But one of the things that you need to do while this is going on is in your mind, that's why I call these undates, you are not going out with this person to see if they are the one. That whole concept is so ridiculous to me. There are lots of the ones out there. I remember having a, a, a friend who got a job in a teeny tiny town, and she was so upset. She goes, well, how am I going to find anyone in this teeny tiny town? And she was working for um, one of the radio stations. I said, wait a second. If they've got a radio station in this town, more than likely this town has other professional people, and people in banks, insurance, hospitals, teachers, all, all kinds of, of people who have you know jobs. So don't rule out that you can't find someone in this little town. And sure enough, she did. So lurking in every little place is someone who you could match with. But instead of going out there and looking for the one person in your universe, there are so many ones who could cross your... You know, in, so in the family. idea of soulmate isn't one you subscribe to? Not at all. Not at all. I really don't. Someone can begin to feel as though they're your soulmate when you find you've made a good match. But to go out with the goal to find them on a date, you're going to get yourself into trouble because you're going to miss lots of cues. I like changing the goal from finding soulmates and the one to learning how to trust your judgment. That's wow. much more powerful. Learning how to trust your judgment versus finding the one. Yes. Now, that's a big shift for totally. most of us, Dr. LB. Big shift. It, it, trust your judgment. Now, a lot of these questions and steps you've given us are part of the path. You're paving the way to us trusting our own judgment by doing the bravery work, figuring out our own pattern, and watching out for that flip cycle and staying clear of dating. Interesting. Well, you know, here we are. We're in the digital dating world of today. Things are very, very different today. People are on apps and online and on dating sites right and left. What is your advice about all that? The same thing I'm saying now. Ask these smart questions. Run the movie of a week in your life. Um, tell me what you learned about yourself. Tell me something about yourself that, you know, you wouldn't want printed on the front page of the New York Times or the L.A. Times. You know, let's, let's slowly show each other something about letting our guard down. And it doesn't have to be your entire history. But make a small step and hang out together. You know, don't make such a big deal. You know, put on your favorite jeans or whatever. You know, that's what you want because that's how you're going to be in your life. But your goal 
is to see how well you can pick up cues. And what I recommend is, in my book, I have a list of um, nonverbal cues to look at. For example, a big one is, pay attention to where this person puts their hands. Do they touch their face a lot? Do they oh. drum their hands? Are they touching you? Are they moving into your space? Now, what do those things mean? Well, nervousness, drumming their fingers. Touching their face a lot is a sign of anxiety, and they're probably not telling you the truth. Wow. It's like a, a liquid mask that they're putting on their face. And you want to pay attention to where their body is. Are they way backed up? Do they look at you? Um, I do a lot of um, corporate consulting, and I help companies hire the right people. And I always like to pay attention to where their face is going and their eyes. I, I just interviewed someone not too long ago who always showed me profile. They never looked at me. So where's the face going on this person? Are they and what does that mean if someone's showing you the profile? Uh, avoidance. Avoidance. Where are their eyes going? Think of the people you know who don't look at you ever, but mm. also do the other side. And this is one of the things that happens to women a lot. Mm-hmm. They fall for the guy who locks eyes on them and makes them feel like they're the only person in the room. And that man tends to lean into their space almost touches them, sometimes even touches them, and they do things that make you feel really special. These are the men who have radar for women who need men to be reliable, trustworthy. These are women who need to feel valued, and these men have radar for women who they can control. Oh, so these are control tactics. Charmers, the charmers, yes. Charmers, wow. There's charmers and controls. We have a question here. Uh, this is coming from Diane, and Diane is in Oakland. She says, how do you know if you found a keeper? Okay, a keeper. Make a list of all the things that you respect about them. Then make a list of all the things they do that show they respect you. Start with those things. Then look at how the two of you solve problems. Because the, one of the most important things you want to be is a good problem-solving team. You want to be good at bringing the ability to analyze a situation without blaming each other. You always do this and you always do that. Do you play it forward? Stop playing history about you said this and I said this. Play it forward. Move towards a solution. Let's see how we can solve this. What do you think? Because this person is going to be with you through your life and you're going to have problems. So is your partner your wingman or your wingwoman? Yes, yes. So how you solve problems now is a very, very good indicator of how you solve later. Now, what if the person just rolls over? It's, it's whatever you want, whatever you want, whatever you want. Well, there are women who start out, um, and men too, but women are more often doing this now, men who are go-alongs to get-alongs. It used to be that men liked women who went along to go-along, but I found in my research 
so many women who felt that they could protect themselves from being hurt if they could run the relationship. Control was the way to happiness in their minds. <laughs> but exaggerate that. If you see your man as a certain kind of behavioral style, exaggerate it. Imagine that the go-along-to-get-along guy ends up being someone who can't get going when the going gets tough. He's not there to help you in a crisis. So someone who just rolls over could end up being that person that you can't count on. That's correct. Ooh, all right, everybody. Lots of meat here. If you want to join the conversation, feel free, 347-989-0776, or hit us back at Dr. Brenda Wade on either Facebook or Twitter. Now, you deal with intergenerational patterns, Dr. Elby. Explain what that is and why that's one of your specialties. Well, we, we weren't hatched, okay? So someone raised us, and it may not have been your biological parents, but someone raised you in some environment. And children are so malleable. We're, we're like, you know, so impressionable. And so you begin to learn family rules about life, love, trust, reliability, ethics. And you also learn about men, women, And so imagine that you're just a little sponge and you're taking this all in. So one of the things, again, that I want you to do is think about what have you learned. Then I want you to think about what is my role in the family? Am I the child who was the reliable one? Am I the child who everybody picked on? Was I the scapegoat? Was I the child who everybody said, you're not smart. Think about what your family role was. Because what mm-hmm. often happens in a family is that in my study, the women tended to be mavericks or the, the rebels or the very reliable ones. So I want you to think to yourself, if an alien came and plucked me out of my family, how would my family function? Would they miss me? Would they fall apart? Would they pick on someone else in the family? So these are tricks, you know, sort of like, um, I, I call them tricks because they're another way of thinking about how you can examine your family without, you know, trying to overanalyze. So think about what would happen if you weren't there. Would you Interesting. Family, would they get cold? Would they argue more? Okay, Got to look at those patterns from the family. Now, let's talk more about dating in the digital age. I read a study just a week ago about people who are dating on Tinder and on other sites where they're basically hookup sites, and it said that 78% of the women on those sites felt bad about themselves and felt used if they had sex with someone that they didn't know more than 24 hours, and here's the flip side, about 58% of the men felt badly after they had sex with someone that they knew less than 24 hours. The women felt used and the men felt badly because they thought they had used someone. What would you say about dating in the digital age, Dr. L.B.? Hello, hello. Oh, no, we're having that little sound breakdown at a crucial moment because I certainly want to hear 
what Dr. Elby has to say about dating and sex in the digital age, and I'll bet you want to know too. So we'll get her back here in just a moment. And let's keep it moving, everybody. I want you to think about your own family patterns. Dr. Elby is giving us gold, absolute gold. It has everything to do with who we are and how we love. And in a minute, we'll find out from her all about dating and sex in the digital age. And also, I am intensely curious about breakups. I read. Can you hear me now? I've got you, Dr. Elder. Oh, I'm so glad. Okay. What do you have to say about dating and sex in the digital well, age? Well, no sex on the first date. No sex before the first date. I mean, that happens a lot, hookups. And why? It's not an ethical issue. I'm not talking about morals and stuff. I'm talking about being smart. Once you have sex, the your neurochemicals, your hormones like oxytocin, vasopressin, all those hormones kick in. And what do they do to you? They make you feel attached to this person. And then you work hard to build a relationship with someone you don't even know. Wow. Yep, and that's especially true, of course, for women. Absolutely. You know, I've seen so many women who've gone on vacations, they take a vacation from themselves, and they come back and say, I had sex with the hottest guy, it was so cool, and I felt so good to be free. And what happens by the third or fourth week, they come to me and say, he didn't call. Hmm. That attachment mechanism, that that, that um, arousal in the brain has finally calmed down, and it didn't happen. And think about this. Why would you want to put yourself in a situation where, most importantly, you have given up management of your emotional needs? Because we all have to have our head and heart and body working together at the same time. That is a way that you get smart about choosing a, a partner. And if those head, heart, body aren't working together, that's how you get into trouble, by landing in bed, feeling compelled to pursue the relationship with someone who may not be good for you. Wow. And that's why we shouldn't rely on chemistry, yeah? Yeah, chemistry, you know, you can have chemistry just as easily for someone who isn't good for you as it is to someone who is. And why does that happen? Because in your family you developed an emotional comfort zone, a, a feeling in a family. For example, imagine that you come from a family that argues a lot, and you've just gotten used to it, and you see that really no big harm comes. It's just the way your family is. They're a noisy, boisterous, everybody expresses their feelings family. And you end up feeling more comfortable, feeling chemistry with someone who argues back. And that may or may not be a good or bad thing, but imagine that if you chose someone who not only argues back, but hits back. Ooh. Yeah. Got it. So, so you're saying that old family pattern can be expressed in a way that you feel close to that person, yes. but they may have a more extreme version of it. Exactly. And I would add that maybe your role as being the person who argues a lot or didn't have a speaking role isn't a very healthy position. And so you end up repeating patterns that you 
don't even know you can get out of, but they form a comfort zone, and you end up being attracted some, to someone who repeats that. Oh, okay, we have another question here. Yes. This question is coming in from Lily, who is in Walnut Creek. Uh, all right, Lily, thank you. And the question is, huh, I've been married before. I have adult children and I'm dating a man I don't feel sexually attracted to, but I'm traveling with him. We sleep in the same room but in separate beds, and I've made it clear to him that I don't feel sexual attraction, but he wants a relationship. Am I doing the wrong thing? Well, it's what, what, how could I say this? What is wrong in a relationship? You know, everybody when you form a couple, you form your own little country and you form your own rules. There are couples who have sex every day and there are couples who have sex once a month. The goal is to match up your sexual needs with someone so that it runs smoothly. So to be with someone who wants sex but you don't, that's not a very good matchup in that area. Mm-hmm. 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 And what advice would you give Lily? Because... You know, I'm looking at this question thinking, this doesn't sound like a recipe for happiness. Well, there are couples who are happy together and they have very little sex. You know, you do really form your own little country and your rules may not be what, you know, some other couple's rules. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm reading the question wrong because the sense I'm getting is he wants more and she doesn't. Yes, and she doesn't. That's correct. And and so what you want to do is ask yourself, what am I doing in this relationship? What do I want? What am I hanging in there for? Because this is going to be an issue that's just going to continue to come up all the time. Yeah, and what is she running from is the question well, that pops into my head. Well, putting, putting the kibosh on sex is often what people do when they want to take what they think is control of ever being hurt again. Because once sex starts, your brain arousal kicks in with all the um, sex hormones, and it puts things, as everybody knows, in a whole different category because you've got all those attachment hormones, that sense of being vulnerable, and now the fear of being rejected. So a lot of people use sex as their um, line of defense. Okay. But, you know, it doesn't work all the time. That's right. I don't see how it could work all the time. So it's sometimes a defense to take control. But we've got more questions than we have Good. time for, Dr. LB. But could you just talk about breakups? Yes, Because you absolutely. say how you break up with someone indicates how you love. And what are Definitely. your tips for dealing with an ex, or as one of my friends said, a hex? How, yes. how the relationship goes is often how the breakup goes. So stormy, horrible, mean, terrible, um, critical, cruel breakups are often there because there were those components in that relationship. So I want you to put on your empathy hat and say to yourself, how would I want someone to break up with me? Do you want to hear a reason? Do you want it to be clean and not linger and be uh, come here, go away? How would you like to be told, look, honey, it's not working. I like you. You're a nice person, but it's not what I need. Wouldn't that be better than have it be hot and cold or have someone throw your clothes out in the, in the street? 
Well, how do you feel about people being friends with their ex as part of kind of titrating down after a breakup? I think it depends on how honest you are with yourself. For example, when people get divorced, they often are able to be good problem-solving teams for the sake of their children. And that's good that you can do that. Very important. Very important. And there are people who um, got married and they were business partners together and it didn't work out, but they find a way to still be business partners. So some people are friends with their exes, but... You have to be careful. Did you have a clean break or were you ambivalent? Because what you're going to do is bring those question marks into your friendship. And there might be a time when a crisis occurs and you end up in bed together again and then you end up so confused all over again. Hmm. So in general, how do you make that work? You're going to look down the road and say, okay, is this clean? Is this really working? If you have children, let me just go on record, you have no choice. If you have children, you had better find a way to be friends and be able to solve problems, or you're condemning your children, according to all the research on divorce, condemning them to having more and more wounds because their parents are enemies and they always have to run between the warring sides. So clean that up and figure out a way to solve problems with your ex, everybody. So go ahead, Dr. LB. What is your thought about being friends with the ex? I think it depends on what role is this, what emotional role is this friend playing, this ex-friend, this this ex who's now a friend. Are you hanging on to this person as your um, safety person? So in case you don't find anybody else, you'll just turn up the heat again on that relationship. Are are you keeping them as your understudy for your heart? That might not be a very good plan. I I Mm. wouldn't recommend that. That's sort of like using someone as your, you know, well, if I, you know, turn this age and I haven't found someone, there's always Susan or Tom, you know. Well, I don't think that's going to be making it too happy. So think about what it would be like if this person were not in your life. Once again, I use the model of aliens came down and snatched this person out of your life. Are you still okay? Can, can you live with that? Because if you can't, if you feel a hole in your soul, then that tells you that you really haven't pulled your stakes up out of this person's relationship with this you know, person in the wings. Huh. So think about that. Okay, more bravery work there. Yeah. And what are your top tips? for doing a healthy breakup? Well, make it clean. Um, Don't let it drag out into fights. Are we breaking up and you're not like this and I'm not like that? Go get help when you begin to feel that this is not working because you want to make sure that you really are breaking up. It's so awful to break up, go back together, break up. It's, It's so painful. It literally hurts. I mean, physically hurts. So go for a clean breakup. Know why you're breaking up. And you might want to go get help as a couple for breaking up, or you might want to go get some therapy for just yourself to make sure you're doing the right thing. You don't want to do threats. If this keeps up, I'm going to break up with you. That hurts, and that's really not a very good way to handle your problems because it means that you haven't done your own homework. You're blaming the other person when you need to look at yourself. What am I putting up with? What am I not getting? What am I not happy about? 
And that means we've got to look at ourselves and do more work if we have those questions. Dr. LB, you are a fountain of wisdom when it comes to love, as always. What do you want to leave us with tonight? I want to leave you with the following tips. Get brave. You're not going to be happy in your life, even in choosing a career, if you're not willing to do the hard work of looking at yourself. And here's an image to keep in mind. You know those beautiful um, ships that are in the bottles with all the sails open? Well, how did those ships get in there? Well, the sails and the decks collapse on each other. And when the person puts that beautiful ship, imagine you are that beautiful potential ship, when the person puts those collapsed sails and those collapsed decks into the neck of the bottle, they're all thin. They go in there and imagine that those collapsed sails and decks are your fears, highly concentrated, fears touching fears, touching fears. But if you just tough it out and put that collapsed sails and decks into that bottle and pull those little strings that open up the sails and the decks, then you're beautiful, you're open, you're sailing, you're golden. So the key is to deal with the fears. You've got to tough it out. You've got to face yourself. You've got to face your fears of feeling flawed, of feeling unlovable, of feeling that you can't read people well. And those are the things you need to work on. The other thing to do very importantly, is don't date. Dial down that anxiety. Hang out. Go on undates. Okay, so we're going to undate everybody. Work on those fears. There are books that you can read, and one of them is this wonderful book by Dr. L.B. Wish. The book is called The Love Adventures of an Almost Smart Cookie. That's actually the companion book. The book is Smart Relationships. All right, Dr. LB, you're wonderful. Thank you. We will have you back again because there is so much to talk about. Everybody, I want you to know that coming up next week on Good Love Radio, we have Ms. Santita Jackson. Those of you who heard her a few months ago when she was on, you know she is a dynamic and absolutely brilliant person. Uh, She grew up the eldest daughter of the Reverend Jesse Jackson and is such an interesting woman. Some of you know her from Fox News and from her television programs on the Word Network, et cetera, et cetera, and we're looking forward to her. And I want you to know that Dr. L.B. Wish also has a website where there is lots of information for you, and it's lovevictories.com lovevictory.com, or you know, you can just put her name in, Dr. L.B. Wish. Also, you can go to drbrendaway.com and get your free 60-minute teleseminar on good love. That's our gift to you, to thank you for being one of our listeners. And we ask that you share this radio podcast if it's been valuable for you and blow it up on your social media. We would like lots more people to have the opportunity to hear from our wonderful experts that we have week after week here on Good Love Radio. All right, everyone, remember you are worthy, you are deserving, and your job is to find yourself 
lovable. That is our mantra, and I want you to remember it. Okay, blessings until next week. return hopefully it ends up in your hands fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30 percent in 2023 if you're in a bind this tax season lifelock can help our u.s-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues and all lifelock plans are backed by the million dollar protection package so we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft help protect your information this tax season with lifelock save up to 25 percent your first year at lifelock.com aware Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.